Hello, Dale Partridge here. You're listening to an episode from the Real Christianity Archive. Veronica and I originally began this podcast under the name Ultimate Marriage as a resource for our online marriage mentor program found at ultimatemarriage.com. While our marriage program is still a critical part of our ministry, after about 30 episodes, we decided to change the name of this podcast to Real Christianity as a way to widen the scope of our biblical content. That said, these are some of our most popular episodes, so please enjoy and stay with us on the journey to bring the church back to the Bible. Welcome to Ultimate Marriage. Today we are talking about family conflict in the holiday season, which is a big deal. Uh, I feel like this time of year, right? So this, if you're listening to it now, then it's right before Christmas. But if you're listening to it way later, then, uh, you know, this is a topic that I think comes around during the holidays more, but is still an issue all year round, all year round. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you handle holiday family conflict? Uh, how do Christians do that? What does the Bible say about that? And so we're going to hit that today. We also are going to answer a really intense question that I think a lot of women struggle with is uh, if you're a mother and you have a career, how do you reconcile the two? And so we're going to hit those, uh, some feedback on that question at the end of the show. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, a few things before we get started. Uh, if you are listening to this on iTunes, we also have this available now on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play. What the heck is Stitcher? <laughs> it's a, I haven't heard of that. It's another <laughs> podcast app. Someone's probably <laughs> listening to it like, hey. Um, no, it's funny. We've had so many people ask like, hey, you know, when are you guys going to get on all these other places, especially the Android market? So we've done that for you guys. You now have access that way. Also, it's on YouTube. You can watch this as a video if you'd like. And you can also go to ultimatemarriage.com and you can view this podcast. This is episode number 23 if you want to see the show notes about the episode. Um, and if you, uh, one last request that we have for you, because these, this really does help the exposure of the show and the ministry get accomplished, is that if you're listening to this on iTunes, would you consider, uh, even if you're not, would you go to iTunes and leave a review on our podcast? You just need to tap the, st the stars. You don't even need to write uh, a big review. If you do, we'll read it. Um, a couple things I want to mention also before we get started. Sorry, I got a little introduction here today that we don't usually have. Uh, is if you want to read the Bible in a year, uh, we have set up a free PDF year-long Bible plan for you if you just go to ultimatemarriage.com forward slash Bible. And Veronica's doing that. She's probably... Yeah, I've started this almost a year ago now, so I'm coming towards the end of it, um, kind of. <laughs> there's obviously with the trials of, that this year has held, there's been a lot of days where I haven't been able to read. Um, but it's the same plan that I've been doing. Yep. Um, it's just, you know, pushed back about a year. Yeah. So if you guys want to read the Bible, we would love for you guys to read through the entire Bible next year. So ultimatemarriage.com forward slash Bible. All right, so let's dive in um, to the conversation. Uh, so it's we just passed Thanksgiving. We got Christmas, New Year's, and then Easter kind of coming around the corner. Valentine's Day. Oh, and Valentine's Day, which is our... And St. Patrick's Day. No, I'm just kidding. If you guys don't know, Valentine's Day is our anniversary mm -hmm. and not on purpose. 
Yes. That's, that's I us. mean, we getting married was on purpose, but yeah. uh, <laughs> not that day. Not necessarily. It just kind of happened. Oh, let's get married next week. Okay, how about next Sunday? Okay, let's do next Sunday. And then we just, realized, like, it was. the night before, we realized, hey, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible for an anniversary. It's everything's more expensive. We never celebrate our anniversary on our anniversary. Yeah. So, okay, back to what we're talking about. So. Uh, you know, for husbands and wives, the holidays can be really a day or two or season of drudgery for a husband or a wife that isn't accepted or appreciated by your extended family or family friends. Yeah, we've seen this a lot um, with several of our friends who, you know, were the wife's really not accepted by the husband's family or the husband's just not respected by the wife's family. And it just creates this conflict and tension between I don't want to go to your side of the family or or we have to do this. And it just can get really stressful really fast. Um, And like Dell said, this isn't necessarily just a a holiday struggle. This can happen all year round. It just seems to be amplified when the holidays come around. Yeah. And it's, you know, if this has been going on for a long time, there could be years of woundedness Mm -hmm. that are happening. Um, And, you know, so, you know, as Christians, you know, what are we supposed to do when our spouse is disrespected, when our spouse is dishonored, when our spouse is just kind of not a- accepted as part of the family or is pushed against, um, you know, like wh- how are we supposed to do that? Do we just stop showing up to family gatherings? You know, that that's kind of what a lot of people in their flesh is want to do is to stop showing up. Um, are we supposed to just keep telling our spouse just to deal with it? Or they go and just end up leaving frustrated. Which is what happens for most families. Yeah. They just pile it on, you know, this is terrible, but we just do it every year. Just play into the cliche that family events are, are not fun. Um, so today we're going to look at the scriptures. We're going to look at two, well, we're going to look at several scriptures, but two main scriptures on framing up this issue of family conflict, how to handle that as a married couple. And, um, and this is something that we've seen in our community we actually haven't had to fully do this um, in our life, kind of. Yeah, but not much. Not much. and But we've seen several families in our church community over the last couple of years have to do this. And there's a process, like a, a, a what I come down to is a five-step process on how to do this well. And every time it's happened, it's always been redemptive. It might take time, mm-hmm. um, but but it's it's generally been redemptive. Um, for for those families that have been a part of that. So this would be something that we've just kind of come up with based off of observation and based off of what we know of the scriptures. Yeah, and this isn't the only way to do it, but this is a way that you should consider doing it if you're having this issue or ever do have this issue or at least understand this because you will meet a couple that does have this issue. Yeah, so there are two scriptures uh, that we're going to go over today. And the first one we're going to go over is Genesis 2, 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So this is obviously like the cornerstone chief marriage scripture in the Bible. It's read at every wedding. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) And I go, what does this have to do with marriage family conflict? I think this sets the foundational stage for this uh, biblically. You know, when the Bible says that we leave our father and mother and cleave to our wife. Um, sure. It's, it's talking to the husband at this point. I think what it's really saying is that this is a moment of reprioritization. That's really what leaving and cleaving is. It's saying, Oh, God's saying, this is a reprioritizing moment for your life. That old covenant that was between your parents and you, 
this God-ordained family that was birthed of the Lord is now actually changing. It's, it's ending that old co- the covenant and the rules that bind that covenant, uh, obedience to your parents, etc. And now you're entering into a new divinely appointed covenant with your spouse. And there's a reprioritization of your loyalties. Yeah, not that the, fa- the family that you came from is no longer important. They are still important. Yeah. Um, but like Dale said, it's just a reprioritization. Yeah, they're just not as important as your spouse. Mm-hmm. And that's just the fact. People might not want to hear that. But, but that's, that's how God designed it. <laughs> that's how God designed it. And this is really, that scripture is what I, I, I think of as the law of priority. That, that's, it's giving permission and actually instruction to reprioritize your life. Um, you know, when it says, uh, oneness, you shall become, the two shall become one flesh. Sure. There's a reference to that becoming one flesh in sexual intimacy, but it also means like one character. I think it means one reputation. You guys are now viewed together by the Lord as one and should be, uh, viewed that way through your community, one reputation. And your wedding day becomes this declaration, this, this day, this declaration to everybody of that old covenant passing away, um, this new covenant being born, and that everybody is now on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. And, and that is how the Lord designed it. And so you and your spouse are not to be letting people into those inappropriate, intimate places of that marriage um, because they're on the outside looking in. And so this means you don't choose your mother over your spouse. You don't choose your father or your brothers or sisters or your best friends or anybody over your spouse. You, you, you make it a point to prioritize your spouse is, you don't have a covenant relationship with your mom. You don't have a covenant relationship with your kids. Mm-hmm. You have a covenant relationship with your wife. Um, and again, I want to say a couple of things on this real quick is that when you look through the, the, like when you look at your marriage through the lens of the one flesh idea that we're unified together, I want you to take uh, just a peek at the scripture with me. You know, when Jesus uh, approaches Saul prior to his name being changed to Paul on the road of Damascus, mm-hmm. a road to Damascus, he reveals himself to, to Saul and he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that he's... He puts it on him. Yeah. He didn't say, why are you persecuting my church? Or my people. Or my people. Mm-hmm. He said, why are you persecuting me? And you see, Jesus looks at his bride, the church, as himself, mm-hmm. as one flesh. And so uh, he's given us our example. And so again, when your wife is insulted, you're insulted. When your wife is disrespected or your husband is disrespected, you're disrespected. Um, Valid insults. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. Um, and and we have this, um, you know, when when a family has this passive aggressive tone mm-hmm. towards one of your spouse or your, towards your spouse, that is a passive aggressive tone to you. You have to actually mm-hmm. take that on because a disrespectful or anything just negative towards your spouse is a hit to you as well. And I think that perspective really fixes, I guess, brings this 
you know, in the right perspective for a lot of families. And um, <clears throat> uh, you can't allow this to happen anymore. Like you just can't allow it. You can't allow people to disrespect your spouse or to take priority over them. And so you need to be bold enough and strong enough to do the right thing. And the right thing is generally the hard thing. And that means sitting down with these people, having a conversation about resolving the conflict, addressing the issues, looking for repentance and restoring the relationship. And so uh, that's the first scripture. Veronica is going to talk a little bit about the second scripture that I think is part of this journey. Yeah. So the second scripture is going to be Romans twelve eighteen. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So now we understand that the closeness of family relationships make managing conflict much more difficult. Yeah. Like it's just, the stakes are really high. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. It's really uncomfortable. But when the scripture says, if it is possible, that just means if it can be done, do it. Yeah. Like, cause it, cause it might not be able to be done. Yeah. Sometimes it can't. Yeah. But peace should be your desire. And God's heart is, is for restoration. Mm-hmm. So our heart should also be for restoration, reconciliation in that relationship. Yeah. It's not to get bitter. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen so many families and couples that are just so wounded by this. It ends up in, in divorce. We've seen this mm-hmm. a few times. And just recently with a friend of ours mm-hmm. that, yeah, you know, a spouse choosing their parents over their spouse and it led to divorce. And mm-hmm. so don't think that this stuff isn't serious because it absolutely is. When you go years on years on years, it, it ruins the marriage mm-hmm. if it's not confronted. Yeah. And I mean, I can share a little bit from our experience. Um, when Dale and I first got married, my parents were not the biggest fan of Dale. Um, and one of my parents, I will not say who, um, would not speak to Dale mm-hmm. at all. They would uh, completely ignore him if we came over. They wouldn't say a word to you. They would look right past you, pretend like you weren't there. And so um, I got to a point where I had to confront them. Sorry, I'm talking slowly because I want to be very careful with how I present this. Sure. Um, I got to a point where I actually had to approach my parent and tell them when you are ignoring him and disrespecting him and not speaking to him, you are hurting me Mm -hmm. because he is my husband now. Mm -hmm. This is who I have married and he is not going anywhere. Yeah. And so the disrespect towards him is actually disrespect towards me. And if this doesn't change, if this doesn't stop, if this continues, you guys are going to be seeing a lot less of me, mm-hmm. a lot less of us. Yeah. And this is, uh, you know, fast forward, uh, even like after that conversation, I think it got a lot better, a lot better. And now, I mean, we're fantastic. I mean, yeah. everything's great. Our families are really close. We, we love having conversation with they, you know, we are totally unified and, um, and, and, you know, loving each other and our relationship. And we're very healthy now. Um, 
And so it was just a lot of things that, you know, there were some issues that I was older than Veronica by, you know, a handful of years, five years, four and a half years. And they struggled with that. Some, just some other, other things. And there was this other issue that you dated my sister. Too, <laughs> I dated her so. sister before, <laughs> five years before we started dating. And so there's that. There was and, a little bit of issue there. You know, but there's, there was those things that were in the way. And when you, I think once they realized that I want to be a great husband to you and care for you and for our children, we didn't have kids yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really just shown them. And yeah, now, they, they started improving and then, but once we had kids, they really started improving. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just been, it's been fun and we've, we've had a great, yeah, we, again, we have a great relationship with them now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but continuing on the instruction of that scripture where, you know, Veronica just read Romans twelve eighteen. if it, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you live peaceably with all men. I want to talk just for a second. Um, it, it, it's saying for Christians to never add to the conflict, like do, do not, you should endeavor to keep the peace. Like that is, you're not lashing back. You're, you're controlled. You're, you know, think about it. Think about Jesus Christ as he's just being tortured prior to the cross. Is he yelling at these men? Is he, no, he's, he's literally saying, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, this is a big issue. And, you know, if you can't control yourself and just the passive aggressiveness, you got to just humble your heart and remember what Christ did. Yeah, a soft answer turns away wrath. Yes. Proverbs, yeah. Proverbs 15, one, that is probably a, just memorize that scripture. Oh, I have it memorized. Yeah. A soft, <laughs> because I'm not necessarily like a naturally a soft person. So I need to, I have that one memorized. Yeah. A soft answer turns away wrath. Um, but harsh words stir up anger. And that's just, man, we've seen this before. We actually at our house church years ago, um, we meet at people's houses and sometimes, you know, there's, you know, 10 cars out in front of someone's house. Neighbor comes up, gets frustrated. Why is all these cars here every Sunday? You know, (laughs) if we were having a Super Bowl party or a football party, there would be probably no issue. But because we're a church, um, he's getting mad. And one of the elders at the fellowship used that tactic a soft answer turns away wrath. And he was just super gentle and cordial and dealt with the issue and, and said, you know, it just, it was it just a non-issue because of that. Yeah. So, the, the, um, I guess offense from that man was totally dissolved. Yeah. Put to rest. So Jesus says, I want to remind you guys as you're dealing with this conflict with anybody, uh, but especially with your enemies or people who revile you, uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew five forty four, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode. Dale and I want to quickly tell you about one of our favorite things to do with other couples, marriage retreats. Yeah, a few times per year, Veronica and I host 15 couples at a private resort here in the Pacific Northwest. We spend three days learning about the Bible and having an intimate discussion time. It is a ton of fun. The best part is it's an all-inclusive event. Every couple gets their own cozy cabin and fireplace. We have a private chef cooking incredible food and desserts and a variety of activities available for couples to just have fun with each other. 
Yeah, we can't tell you how life-changing these retreats have been for couples. So as you can tell, these retreats have very limited space. But if you're interested in spending a few days with us in the mountains here in Oregon, then please apply for one of our upcoming retreats. Just go to ultimatemarriage.com forward slash retreat. Again, that's ultimatemarriage.com forward slash retreat. Now let's get back to the show. So just, again, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, that's what you got to follow right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's big boy, big girl stuff. It's not easy to do, but mm-hmm. that's the instruction on uh, on what we need to do. So... Yeah, so we have two points of reference here. Prioritize your spouse above all others. Yeah, which is the Genesis. Today. Yeah, and then labor for peace with those who have conflict with you. Yeah, and this is something, again, just think about those two sections, like prioritization, labor for peace. Mm-hmm. Um, we're peacemakers, right? That's that's our, our role in the world. That's one of them. Um, so we have this five-step process I want to share with you guys. And I think this is just something that if we were to have an issue like this with anybody, this is how we would handle it as well. We haven't had too many of these issues to to confront. Um, but again, as I said, we've seen people do this um, and heard of people doing this. Yeah. And when we did this with my parents, this was literally like months into our marriage. We yeah. hadn't even married a year. It's, yeah. It was 10 years ago. Within the first few months. So, yeah. So, um, I'm going to list off these processes, uh, and then we're going to go into a question after this. I'm sure Veronica will add in, but I'm going to hit these processes and then Veronica is going to be answering this question down here. So, um, step number one, I, I think is, you know, listen and empathize with your spouse. I think a lot of people just like the spouse just doesn't want to recognize that there's a problem. Like we, we've seen this happen before. Or they just don't see that there's a problem. And so they think that their spouse is crazy, but, and they neglect, but I think it's really important to hear your spouse out. Yeah. Empathize with them. Mm-hmm. And, and I would even repent and apologize for allowing the sin of insult to occur for so long. So if that's you, just humble yourself and go, I'm so sorry that I've allowed my mom to hurt you this way for so long and I've done nothing about it. Like you are priority number one and we're going to fix this. So that's step one. Step number two. Um, identify the person or persons that are causing that and specifically or sp- specify the behaviors that are actually happening. Like kind of bring identification to what's really going on because it's sometimes emotionally muddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to take a step back and look at it from the bigger picture st- point of view. Yeah, like what's really going on? Because like mm-hmm. the one-off instance generally is hard to identify that it's insulting because it's sometimes passive-aggressive or it's like, yeah, but then they did this this time and this time. It's starting to pile up and develop a, a story, a narrative mm-hmm. that there is a something deeper going on. And so you guys together need to get, get there and, and figure out who it is and what you're actually dealing with. Write it down. Uh, reference these things out because the third step is that um, you're going to take it to them. And Veronica brought up Matthew 18. Why don't you talk about that? Well, Matthew 18 is talking specifically about church discipline um, when it's saying if if there's an offense, if mm-hmm. there's a problem, you're to go to your brother first privately. Yeah. Um, so yeah. in this situation, be if your mom is insulting your 
your wife or whatever, you need to go to your mom one-on-one. So it's go to your brother privately, talk to them about it. If they don't change, then you bring two or three brothers in and you talk to them about it. They still don't change in the scripture. It says then bring them before the church, bring them before the church. And then if they still don't answer, then then actually be kicked kicked out out of the church church, basically. Um, but when we were going over this podcast and Dale was reading some of the notes he had taken when he talked about this, I was like, so Matthew 18, is that what you're talking about? Like that was instantly the first yeah, thing. And I you- totally neglected that scripture. So it was good that she brought that up. Um, so yeah. So step three is to set up an in-person meeting with you two as a couple, cause you're one mm-hmm. and the person and possibly their spouse, if they're married, um, you know, if it's your parents, get a meeting in person. And now I know that that seems intimidating to confront this kind of stuff. Don't do it over the phone if you don't have to. In person gets very real and it's really good um, to have those conversations there. Um, and and just really a really quick note just that just popped in my head. And if you're, if we're dealing with all believers here, you have to remember that if the offense is brought to them and regardless if it's hard, the Lord might be doing a sanctification process in that person's heart as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This isn't just like a rebuke or a correction. This is also the Lord's work in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could save other people from the same situation in the future. Yeah. And depending on your personality types, you know, this could be initiated generally probably by the persons whose family has offered the offense. You know, if it was my mom that was being offensive to Veronica, then I would go there. Same way how she did that with her family there. If, and you know, you can also have the husband lead it out in any way, depending on the type of personality, you guys just get to determine who leads those things out. Yeah. But, um, but you need to set up a meeting in person and it's not about anything except these, these issues. There might be a bunch of other things that you're mad at but just stick to the issue that you're here to talk about. Mm-hmm. This person is disrespectful or rude. Here are some examples. We want to be unified and at peace with you guys. We want reconciliation, but we can't do that until there's a recognition of sin, uh, an apology and repentance of that. Um, when you sit down with them, I think step number four is just express that. Communicate clearly what's going on. Over the last two years, it's been pretty clear, mom, that you've treated, you know, my wife this way. And I know it might not look like that, but I'm going to give you some examples. And these things have hurt her and wounded her. And it is actually dividing our families at this point. And we need to come up with a solution to resolve the conflict. Um, <clears throat> and wait for the response. Because based off the response, we'll tell you what you do in step five. <laughs> so step, step five is a two-part process depending on what they do. So if they respond positively and like, oh my gosh, humbly, I'm sorry. Why is Veronica smiling here? <laughs> I'm just thinking of those like graphs in school where you draw a line and like, okay, if you say yes, then it goes into these two branches over here. It's like two different paths. That's what I'm thinking. A line chart. Head, yes. Yeah. So option A, right, is... is yeah, we have um, a positive response. I'm, I've forgiven you uh, or a positive, I'm sorry, I did not mean to do that. That's not my heart. Thank you for letting me know. I, you know, will you forgive me? That's the best response. And what do you get to do? Totally, utterly forgive them. 
option B, right? Then the other side, which, um, yeah, the other line, um, is that, uh, this is someone that's defensive or neglecting to own up to what they, what they've done. Um, and they, they fully not recognized it. And we've actually seen this in church discipline a few times mm-hmm. where they go, nope, I'm not going to change the way I'm acting. And I'm, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, well, if that happens, um, you get to do a couple things. One is that you still get to forgive them for what they've done, but you do get to say, well, if that's your position, then as of now, we no longer are going to continue our relationship with you. Until we can fix this and bring resolution, we will not have a relationship with you. Do not call us. Do not reach out to us unless you're trying to reconcile our relationship. You cannot see our family. You cannot see our children. You cannot see us. We will not be participating until this is resolved. Period. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen families do this. We've seen it. And it's hard. And we've seen families that walk away from their own parents. Now, what does that generally do? It gives the parents time to think about it. It gives time for prayer, humility, um, or bitterness. Mm-hmm. But we've seen families reconciled months later mm-hmm. after they've realized, oh my gosh, it's not worth my hatred is not worth not seeing my family. Mm-hmm. And they come back and they apologize and it's renewed. Um, <clears throat> it's like this quote that we've said a million times that our elder says, you can't argue with a, hum- with a humble person. Yeah, you can't argue with a humble person. Mm-hmm. But family leadership is a costly position to take. And guys don't underestimate the stuff in your family and your extended family. If there's consistent disrespect and it's causing woundedness, you got to deal with it. You got to deal with it. Yeah. And the longer it goes unresolved, the bigger problem it becomes. Yeah. Seeking peace is part of the Christian's responsibility. So, um, yeah, so we're going to go transition from here into a question that was directed at Veronica from a lady that listens to the podcast and she's going to take her notes and get at it. Oh man. Dale probably help me here. I will. A couple of times just cause um, I'm not as eloquent with my words as Dale is, but I did take some notes um, after I read this question. The question is I have a full-time job and a new baby. I don't want to go back to work, but all my friends are encouraging me, encouraging me to, it doesn't feel right. And I don't know why. Can you help? Well, just this Sunday, we had somebody in our own fellowship. Just share this exact same thing. Yeah. In our, in our own church. Um, so it doesn't feel right because God created you to feel that way. If you just had a baby and somebody tears your baby away from you, that's not going to feel right because God created this natural bond. Um, he calls us to be holy. He calls us to be different. He calls us to be set apart. We're not supposed to look like the rest of the world. And people often think that the real ministry Mm -hmm. is outside of the home. The real calling. Yeah. The real calling, the real important stuff, Mm -hmm. the real 
um, impact making work mm-hmm. is outside of the home. Um, but the Bible tells us that it's actually inside of the home. Children are a blessing from the Lord next to our husbands and the gift of salvation. The next important thing is the next greatest gift you can ever be given is children. Yeah. And it's favor from God. And so they're the most valuable gift that we can ever receive. Um, so a question that you can ask yourself is how are we, me and your spouse, how are we going to steward it? Are you going to steward it well? Um, another thing, a couple of scriptures that popped in my head when I read this question um, is Titus 2. I know a lot of people are going to be like, what, Titus 2? Like, how does that refer to the, to this exact situation? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll read it to you. Titus 2, it says, the older women likewise that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So when I read this, I say, well, we're all an older woman to someone at all times. Yeah, I'm 29 years old. I'm older to the teenager in high school. I'm older to the 20 year old woman in our home fellowship. I'm older to somebody. Mm -hmm. And so this command is to, for the older women, it doesn't say an age, Mm -hmm. just as an older woman to teach these things, obviously reverent in behavior, not slanderous, not given too much wine to be teachers of good things that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste homemakers. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is a list that it's providing. Um, And so we're to be, this is a call to action for the older women to be teaching the younger women how to do these things. But it also means that we are to be doing these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the ESV even says workers at home, Mm -hmm. you know, not just homemakers, but like that's where they work. Yeah. And so reading the scripture, um, let me see, Uh, let's not disregard the fact that towards the end, it says obedient to their own husbands as well. Yeah. So if your husband is saying, go back to work, if he wants you to go back to work, hopefully he's not, but if he is, yeah. then we're to submit to that. Yeah. And I know you're going to mention this at the, at the end, but we can maybe talk about it now is if you're, if your husband wants you to go back to work because you need to put food on the table. Right. That's, that, that, yeah, that, that was my next point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's okay. Um, because it's a necessity to meet a need. Um, but if you're, if you're going back to work because you can, you know, you guys make plenty of money and you can afford babysitting and daycare and outsource your parenting. Um, again, I would, I would caution you to look at the scriptures and evaluate God's perspective on children and our responsibility to raise them. Um, whose responsibility that, that actually is. Yeah. So on that note, um, I usually write my notes in here. Um, but the computer died as I was writing my notes. So I didn't get a chance to write out the last scripture, but the other scripture, I so I brought my Bible here. Um, the other scripture that I was going to reference is Deuteronomy six. It starts in four, but I'm going to be emphasizing, um, from verse six, but I'll start at verse four here. O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Verse six. And these words, which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lay down, lie down. And when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
So the kind of love that God requires is one towards our children that is a full time, um, that is it's one that is full time under every circumstance. Children must therefore be taught to love him in the same way. Yeah. And it's, you know, notice they said when you rise up, when you wake or when you walk by the way, when you sit in your house, when you go down at night, this is implying all the time. All the time. And, and so, you know, can you do that if you're gone 10 hours a day? Um, no, you can't. Um, can you do that if you, again, outsource your children to even a, a, a public education? Um, it's harder to do that. It's harder to fulfill that. And again, I, some people might say that's the Old Testament. My belief is that if the New Testament doesn't specifically remove the call of the things that are in the Old Testament, like the ceremonial laws, then those things are still valid. Um, that's why, you know, the Ten Commandments still stand for the New Testament believer. And I believe that concept of valuing children absolutely does still stand. Um, and so a couple of things I want to add here. Um, we just saw actually um, a woman influencer who is an author um, and uh, at least stated as a Christian, um, make an Instagram post uh, about this kind of issue. And I, I copied her words here. Um, I'm going to leave her name anonymous here, but I just want to read what she said. And she was missing the fact that she was about to to leave for several weeks on a on a, a book tour away from her children, and she's going to miss her kids. And um, and you know, this is different than a full time job. Um, this is a spurt of being gone, but I want to read you what she wrote because I think it's common in the church and I think it's incorrect. Um, she wrote quote, um, working moms, they're going to be fine. It's hard on you. It's harder on you than it is on them. You are fulfilling your calling and showing them what a warrior mama you are and you're doing great. That's for me as much as it is for you. Okay. Um, so this statement here is that they'll be fine. Um, you know, and, and so I, I have a couple of things I want to break down. First, I want to go back to Veronica's point. The Lord has given us a conscience and she's already admitted that she's violating her own conscience. It's called the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's called conviction. Yeah. And, and there's a moral law embedded into her heart. So there's a biblical argument for that. And um, she is uniquely made to mother those children. Um, does this mean that you, you can't have a career or, or a work from home thing or a hobby? No, that's not what we're saying here. Um, you know, Veronica's doing this podcast with me. You know, we have friends that are great bloggers, but it means is the priority your children or is it your career? Um, so she said this idea, they'll be fine. Um, I don't think that's true because um, I can tell you the hundreds, maybe thousands of people over the years that I've seen on the internet write about how they've been hurt because their mom or dad was always gone. Um, they're not going to be fine. Statistically speaking, no, that is not true. They're not going to be fine. Um, the second thing is the statement she says, it's harder on you than it is on them. Uh, you know, again, I think this is a um, an attempt to nobleize her efforts. Um uh, you know, it's a great way to, to make what she's doing seem honorable. Like I'm going to go suffer over here. It's harder on me than it is on them. 
and I go, I don't know. I, I think it's actually harder on them than it is on us. We can logic our ways, our way through the, the situation. We know how we, we have a, a much greater perspective on the matter. They're just feeling that mom's gone. Um, did she leave us for some reason? Why? Why is she always gone now? Um, am I not as important? Um, and I promise you, because this has happened in my own life, your kids will, when things change on your cadence of hanging out with them, if you don't work really hard to make sure that they feel loved and prioritized, they will come to you with a statement that'll break your heart. And it happened to me last week when um, uh, I've been sick for a long time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of days down, I'm feeling much better now, but a lot of days over this last year that I've been down. And part of that sickness means that I can't bend over without my stomach hurting. And it's hard for me to get on the floor and play with the kids. And um, babysitter told me that my daughter said that, um, that dad doesn't like to play with me anymore and or doesn't play with me as much anymore. And that broke my heart because I'm re- your kids notice this stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe they won't notice a weekend gone or even a month of craziness. But when you have a long-term pattern, they feel it. So um, I've worked very hard to make sure that find ways, you know, even if I can't get on the floor, to make sure that I'm prioritizing that. Um, I think what this statement is, is that she's self-medicating. And this is what a lot of mothers do. They try to justify this outside work while they neglect the inside work. And they, they say these statements that, hey, that's, this, this truth is just for me as, as much as it is for you. It's a self-medicating spirit. I want to make myself feel better about this decision that my conscience is convicting me on. Um, and the last thing I'm going to say on this whole thing is that God's ministry, God's calling will not compromise your family. And so we know in Romans chapter 12 that God has perfect will. And that perfect will means that he will not call you to be disobedient in one area or call you to be obedient in one area that requires you to be disobedient in another area. And so God's call on your career isn't going to compromise your family. Your call on your career will compromise your family. And you get to have some hard conversations as a family going, Hey, what's the cost? What's the cost? And don't say statements like they'll be fine. Don't say statements. It's harder on me than it is on them. Those are false statements. You're fulfilling your calling. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. You're fulfilling your calling. This is what she said. You know, you're fulfilling your calling and showing them what it means to be a warrior mama. No, what you're doing is you're showing them what it means to be an absent mama. And so I just say hard stuff. Seek the Lord on this stuff. There's not a, a, a one-off answer. There's unique exceptions, special circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that all you women need to stay home and work and stop your jobs. And no, that's not what I'm saying. But look at this stuff through the lens of scripture. Okay. This week's memory verse. Yes. Romans twelve eighteen. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So, sorry guys, I feel like that was really heavy. That was a heavy ending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, 
I don't even work. And I'm just like, what do I need to drop? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of you guys appreciate this show because we talk about the things that most people don't want to talk about. And so uh, thank you guys for your support in our ministry. Um, it really does mean a lot. Um, and we are continuing to try to bring more resources to marriages and families and, uh, and biblical communities um, with the things that we're doing. So again, if you guys would leave us a review, that really would help the show have more exposure. And again, uh, go to ultimatemarriage.com uh, forward slash podcast. Actually, don't do that. Just go <laughs> click on the podcast button because that might not be the right URL. But you can find the show notes, all the scriptures, all the references we have for the show, the video for this, the downloads, all that stuff's available for you there uh, at ultimatemarriage.com. On Until that next note, week. Yeah, we'll see you guys next Wednesday. Take care. See ya. Hey, Dale Partridge here. We hope this podcast has been a blessing to your marriage. For those that don't know, Ultimate Marriage is a ministry under our nonprofit, relearnchurch.org. I'm telling you this because we're a listener-supported podcast. It takes a small team, a serious amount of equipment, and several hours per week to keep this show going. Now, we tell you this because Veronica and I would like to grow the reach of this show so that it might help even more couples understand the Bible's design for marriage. So if you're a regular listener of this podcast, would you consider supporting us in this ministry effort? We're not asking for much, maybe $5, $10, or $25 per month. I promise that your support will help us continue to get God's truth out to save marriages and strengthen families. If you feel led to make a donation, simply go to relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Thank you so much for your consideration. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ultimate Marriage. If you're homesick for a stronger marriage, visit our website at ultimatemarriage.com and consider enrolling in our one-year online marriage mentor program. Also, if you're interested in learning more about building a better marriage, follow Veronica and I on social media, where each week we share tips, tricks, and lessons on building a biblical marriage. 